Brilliant. Right. So come back together. We're going to be in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9. I'm going to go from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and I'm going to read right through to 10.15. So Matthew 9.35, right through 10.15. And that's just to take a passage that is familiar to many of us and just to set it in its context as we uh, begin our series again back in Matthew's Gospel. So Matthew chapter 9, 35 through to 10, 15. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Aphelus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the labourer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter a house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Lord Jesus, I pray as we come to this, your word, that you would stir our hearts Uh, for the message that you have for us here, the the message that Matthew is trying to lay before us as we come to uh, this again, his gospel, and we see what it is to be followers of you. And Lord, I pray that you would would establish in this church a people who are outward looking, a people who recognise the commission that they've been given, a people who recognise the harvest and the need that is outside of these walls, and who are built... To, to, to be uh, directive in their, in their preaching of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you equip us by your Holy Spirit and now uh, this afternoon by your word as we come to it. Amen. Amen. So this week um, we're stepping back into our series in Matthew's gospel. So uh, we've actually been in Matthew's gospel for a while. We've been in and out of it, um, but we, we are deliberately taking our time. Uh, all the previous uh, series... Uh, online and you can listen to those if you feel you need to catch up 
Um, But Matthew, as he's been telling us the story of Jesus' life, has been very careful to highlight certain things to us. So we've come through these last nine chapters. And Matthew, as we have been doing, has been highlighting certain things about the, the person of Jesus, about the kingdom that he preaches, and about what it means to be a follower of this Jesus. He wants us to see who Jesus is. You remember the, the first chapter of Matthew uh, is introduces Jesus by his genealogy. Now, not many of us would introduce our friends by telling them, you know, this is their great-great-grandfather, and this, you know, descended from this person, this person, this person. But Matthew thinks that's important. Matthew wants to highlight the fact that Jesus is the culmination of everything that has come before. All of the history of Israel, all of the Old Testament that sits in your Bible in front of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's saying is, all of that has been leading to and has been about this moment when Jesus would come into the world and reveal himself and show himself to be the fulfilment of those wonderful promises that we have there. Matthew points to those, those two promises. In fact, it's the first sentence. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Those two men who received great promises about their offspring. David, who receives a um, promise saying that one day there will be a son of yours. who will be like a son to me, says God. He'll be like a son to me and he will sit on your throne forever and he will establish the kingdom of God. And, and Matthew's there highlighting this thing. This is Jesus. He's the fulfillment of that promise. And then, he, and then he says, you know, he's the son of Abraham. Abraham, who's, who receives the promise that one day you'll have a son out of you, will come an offspring that will bless all the nations of the world. And once again, it's another flag that, that Matthew's waving. Here it is. Here it is, the, the fulfillment of both of these promises in this one man, Jesus. And, we, and, and Matthew, he wants to make it very clear, because actually when Matthew and the other disciples first meet Jesus, there's a bit of working out, well, who is it we're dealing with here? Who is this person? And Matthew wants to make it so clear to us. Right from the start, we're dealing with the one who is the the fulfillment of all the needs of the world and all the promises of God. Here he is. He is the one. He is the son of David, the son of Abraham. All the promises of God are fulfilled in him. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus has come to bring the kingdom of God, God's rule on earth. Those early chapters as Jesus speaks, you know, the light has shone in the darkness and and he's, we're told, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. He's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. And it's demonstrated, as, as again we've seen in the passage that we've just read, in, in healing, in people being released, set free. So we've sung wonderfully this afternoon. Set free into the freedom of the kingdom of heaven. Set out of bondage and into freedom. And, he wants, and, he, and Matthew also, one of the wonderful strands that you will follow as you go through the, the gospel of Matthew is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Right, so right in those early chapters, we see Jesus call those first disciples. Right there on the shore, he says, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then from that moment on, until he commissions them at the end, Matthew 28, go make disciples. It's on his t-shirt. Go make disciples. We see this is what Jesus has been doing. I have been discipling you. I've been apprenticing you. And now it is for you to go and do the same. And that's kind of what Matthew's doing as he writes his book. He is making disciples of us, showing us everything that Jesus taught him. And being obedient to that command. To be disciples of Jesus, we see the kingdom of heaven is, you know, as Jesus preaches that great sermon on the mount. You know, the, to be, as followers of Jesus, you know, Jesus there, he sees the crowd, he gathers his disciples. And in front of the crowd, he teaches his disciples, this is what it means to be in the kingdom. 
to belong to my people. Your children, and he kind of outlines them what kingdom living looks like. It shapes our love for one another, our love for God. It's seen in the outworking of our marriage and our finance, how we respond to our own sin, how we pray. All of those things demonstrate who we are, and not from a place of duty or fear. Right the way through the Sermon on the Mount is this just kind of confidence of, this is your father we're talking about. You as children of your father. You will be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Pray, our father. Right the way through the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is outlining what it means to belong to the kingdom, it's the, it, the, the, it all comes under this wonderful umbrella of you are children of your Father. And that's what it means. Not cold duty, but loving security. And, and this is one of the things that we're going to see clearly now as we come into this next section of Matthew, which we're going to be spending the next few weeks in, and which I'm introducing today, Being a follower of Jesus means we do what we see him doing. We do what we see him doing. We are called, as I say, to become fishers of men, calling others to follow Jesus and and to follow him with us, to, to take part in this blessing, this blessing that's for all nations. It's this that Matthew is, as I say, is going to be highlighting to us. And so I'm as we kind of come into this um this section. This, this prayer that um, the end of Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 9 that is very familiar to, will be familiar to many of us. I kind of want to set it in its context and, and use it as a way of opening up this, this part of Matthew that we're in at the moment. So as I say, story so far is we've seen Jesus. He has arrived on the scene. Matthew's made a big deal of here he is. And he, you see Matthew again and again point back to Old Testament prophecy. See, this is how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. This is how Jesus is the fulfillment of that and then suddenly Jesus begins preaching and, and healing. And then we see here, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel. This is just the pattern of what Jesus is doing, healing every disease and every affliction. He sees the crowds and has compassion on them. He sees the crowds and has compassion on them and says, oh, pray, pray for workers. For the the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And that's a prayer that the church should be praying. That's a prayer that we should be praying as we look out across uh, across North Hull and the areas that we're called to as we gather with um, Jubilee this evening in in, in Hedden and we think about what is God doing there and and as we consider all the things that God has called us to across the region and in the nations. and, And we think, Lord, send out workers. But the wonderful thing about this prayer is that even as Jesus, even before Jesus tells his disciples to pray it, he's fulfilling it himself. Do you see? Jesus is already doing what he's asking his disciples to pray for. Jesus, God, has, is, is the initiator of this. So when we see need around us, when we see need in North Hull, when we see people lacking gospel or uh, the strength that God brings, the freedom that God brings... We're not the first to see it. In fact, we're not even the first to act on it. We're not bending God's arm to say, come on, Lord, would you do something amazing in North Hull? No, he's already doing something. He's already doing something. Jesus is preaching the gospel. He's healing the sick. He's setting captives free. And he says, join me in this by praying this way. Join me in this by praying this way. It is God initiated. He's already proclaiming the gospel. 
And it's the great honour of the church, God's people, to join with their father as he does his work. That's the thing, right? It is not a matter of, oh, can you get on and do this, please? I'm busy over here doing something else. Can you, could you get on and, if you could sort out North Hull for me, I'm going to be checking, I'll check in on you and see, look over your shoulders to see if you're doing it right. No, it is a, come here with me. Come, come and, and, and work with me as a father. Imagine a father at the workbench. Not saying, oh, go and fetch me that. Go to, run to the shop and get me some elbow grease or whatever. You know, come up to the workbench with me and let's work on this together. Come and join me in this. Come and see what I'm doing. Jesus is moved by compassion. Right? What is it, what is it that, that, that drives Jesus to, to, to send out these 12 and to uh, call them to pray this prayer? It's his compassion. His compassion. If you feel any twang of compassion as you look at those in need as we, as we walk around our city, or as you're at work in the food bank, or in our craft group in North Hull, or you, can, you just come across a story in your own family or with your neighbours or whatever it might be, or just, you just feel the lack of uh, peoples having received the peace and the joy that God brings. When you see that, you're being moved into the compassion that God has. You're being, there is, it is a spiritual movement that is bringing you into a, a, the compassion that, that Jesus already carries. This is, this is who he is. Jesus is not one to shrink away from need. He doesn't shrink away from need. He's drawn to it. This is what God's like. He doesn't recoil at, oh, oh no, oh, not another leper. Oh, not another uh, poor person. Oh, not another sinful, needy person. He leans in. He comes in. He's drawn to it. He says, this is the need. And that's where I'm going. We're going to see, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about harvest being plentiful. He's saying there is a lot of need. There is a lot of need. Sometimes we can, I might be jumping ahead in my notes, but, but sometimes we can read this verse and we can think, oh, there's just so much opportunity. Oh, there's all this opportunity. It's going to be so easy. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, well, the, the harvest is just white for, white for me and I'm going to bring it all in. It's going to be really easy. I just need to go out and put out a few leaflets and everyone in the North Hall will be saved. That's not been our experience. But I tell you, and it's not what Jesus is setting them up to, as he even sends them out. He tells them, hey, there's going to be some hard stuff coming. In fact, he has to tell them, don't be afraid. Because even though you die, don't worry, your father is with you. And there's this, you know, that the, the whiteness, of, the readiness of the harvest, Jesus seems to be talking about the desperate need of the people. Not, not the, their kind of readiness to, oh, you just, you just invite me to Alpha now, become a Christian. You know, it's, it's, it's this, no, there's a desperate need and there is need for workers for the harvest. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm there. I am there. We are, um, and their greatest need, he says, is they need a shepherd. They are, they are like sheep without a shepherd. You're bumping into things, getting themselves tangled up in things, cuts and bruises. They're being harassed, he says. They're harassed wolves snapping at their heels. I tell you, people's distance from God and their, even their physical needs, is, it is a spiritual thing. We have an enemy who wants to entangle and, and lead away and harm and hurt all of those that God would call to himself. All of those who are in need of a shepherd. We see it in North Hull. The harassed, the people who, who feel they're totally self-sufficient. They're harassed. They're being harassed, assaulted by an enemy. Snapping at them, entangling them, hurting them. 
There is such need. As we look to, to the nations, and we're going to be, as we gather in, um, in Durham, we're going to be joined by uh, Fusi McQuena, uh, who is a, a friend of ours. In, uh, he's based out in Dubai. He leads the church there. And he is actually one of the guys who's, you'll, you'll have seen him on some of the videos we've shown here. He's one of the guys who's, who's carrying a lot of the work that we're doing into the unreached people groups. And you hear some of those stories and you think, oh, there's those people, they're harassed. Those people, they're, they're sheep without a shepherd here in North Hull. Sheep without a shepherd. Case, uh, you know, object lesson for you as, you as you're walking around, as you get the bus. Those people who don't know Jesus. Hungry. Some of them don't even know it. Starving. Hurt. Some of them are aware of it. Others are not. But there is a, a desperate need and for Jesus this, our response to that is to join him in his compassion and to initiate our, our first response is prayer our first response is prayer and as we pray we're recognising that there is great need greater need than we I, like I've not I myself am not a source to be able to, to meet every need in this city let alone what God is calling us to in the nations. No, we, there's, there's, no. If, it's, if, if I'm trying to be the answer to people's problems, then like, I'm not going to get very far. I can't, I can't answer my own problems. I, I'm harassed without Christ. Yet, Jesus says, hey, now come and join me. Pray, pray, pray. As we recognise that, we recognise the great need and we recognise that God is the only answer to that need. And we recognise that God is sovereign over it. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. That desperate need, those people who need to be brought in. He's, he's the Lord of it. Even as we're going, proclaiming his kingship and bringing people into the kingdom, he already rules over all. And so we're just waking people up to that. And so as we pray, and we are praying this um, this Wednesday at our house, um, come join us at 7 o'clock. We're going to be praying in that sort of way. Lord, the harvest is plentiful. There is such need. Would you bring in more workers? We want to pray that way. We want to pray that way. We want to be faithful in praying. But it's not, it starts with prayer. It doesn't end with prayer. It's not only prayer. Uh, Michael and I, we were, we were joking. The great Christian cop-out prayer is, Lord, bring them in. It's a great prayer. It's a great prayer. And it's not a bad prayer, right? It's a, it is a spirit-filled prayer. But if that's all you do, <laughs> you say, Lord, bring them in. And then we sort of just huddle in and, and don't do anything. There's nothing outward looking about us. Then we're not being faithful to, the, to this prayer. Because this prayer is a send them out prayer. Okay? It, it would be a cop-out if it's not backed up with faith at work. In fact, actually, that, the, um, that prayer... And pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers. That word send out is literally, the Greek is ekbelo, which is, uh, ek is out and bello is throw or hurl. Hurl out. <laughs> um, cast out labourers into the harvest. Cast them out. It's, it's actually the same word that's used both before and after when Matthew is talking about Jesus casting out demons. It's the same word. It's the same word that, that Matthew's going to use later in his gospel when he's talking about Jesus having made a whip, casting out 
the, the sellers in the temple courts. It's a violent act, right? There is, there is something violent about it and urgent about it. It's the same word, again, that, that Matthew uses um, just earlier in the chapter when uh, he's talking about you know, the, the crowds getting sort of pushed out of the room as Jesus heals the, 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 the little dead girl, right? Um, there's this, there is this, this, this violent get out there, you know, this thrusting out, hurled out. It's not a gentle thing. It's, it's kind of shooed, shooed out. It's forceful. And with, when we pray that prayer, we need to be aware, as Jesus does here, he immediately um, makes his disciples the answer to that prayer. He tells them to pray that prayer, and then he sends them out, before he's even given them a chance to pray it. <laughs> he says, pray this prayer, and off you go. Lord, would you help? You know, is this, is that's the kind of urgency that Jesus is moving with. And it's that kind of urgency that we need to pray with. Pray with the expectation that that's what we're going to be called to. He emphasises the urgency of the need. And then Jesus makes his disciples suddenly aware of the fact that they're not just here to be an audience to follow Jesus around. They're not just here to be an audience. Right? Sometimes that can be our view of church. You know, we can just come and we can be... You know, we don't have pews here. We've got nicer chairs than that. But pew warmers, right? We can, we can just come and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to find a church that that's, it makes me feel comfortable. Or I'm going to find a church where, you know, the worship's good, the preaching's good. And, and we miss the fact that we're called to something. We're called to be an active people. We're called to action. We're not just observers of Jesus. We are called to be partners with him. And the kind of question there is, well, how do we view church? Do we view church that way are we coming here expecting that hey god is going to hurl us out into what god is what we've been called to into this work that he's involved in having our eyes open to that great harvest field that great need we feel that same compassion of christ and we find we pray that prayer and we find ourselves hurled out the door my, my prayer is that each of us is hurled into next week and, and into all the, the interactions that we're going to be given. As I say, no sooner has Jesus taught this prayer to his disciples as he is hurling them out. And uh, Mike is going to be spending a bit more time on this next week, so I don't want to tread on his toes. But he, kind of, he, he appoints the, uh, the 12. He gives them authority. You notice, kind of, we've been talking a little bit about <clears throat> there in the end of chapter 9 so that, that chapter break is just not helpful I don't think, I mean it's helpful in terms of finding your way through your Bible but it's not helpful in terms of understanding what's going on here which is why I've read right through it's, it's, it's one thing, Jesus tells them this prayer and then he answers this prayer by sending them out he appoints them, he gives them authority and you realise very quickly that these guys are being given authority to do exactly what we've just seen Jesus do casting out demons, healing every affliction hey you guys, um, I've given you authority to uh, over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction and he t- appoints the twelve he gives them authority and he gives them authority not just to to demonstrate the kingdom of God in these ways but to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is on, at hand same message that John the Baptist was preaching way back in chapter 3 you know, which we were at in, like two years ago <laughs> these guys like that same message of the kingdom of heaven is at hand right the axe is laid at the foot of the tree here urgent there's an urgency both in, in how they're hurled and in the message, the kingdom is here and it demands a response. 
is that he makes them. And this is kind of a, a bit of a foreshadowing of the, that great commission. Again, see Luke's t-shirt that we're given to go and make disciples. It's sort of, there's this sort of in miniature here, because here Jesus is just saying, go, just go to the lost sheep of Israel. Acts, uh, sorry, Matthew 28, which is what the, what the commission that we live in the good of, to the ends of the earth. It's sort of in miniature what we're going to see happen there. And so there's a great lesson to us in that. This prayer is immediately shown to be a prayer that we need to pray on the move. Right? He doesn't give them a chance to pray it. He sends them out. Pray as, you, as you're being an answer to this prayer, continue to pray it. As you're, being, as you're out gathering and you recognise, ah, oh, I, I, I can't do everything that there's need for, Lord, would you bring in more? Not, not, we don't stay still until we wait, until we've got enough. We go. And as we go, we pray for more. Lord, this, it's, a, it's a prayer of Hudson Taylor's. He, he's there on his way out to China. It's, he has had this, this call on him, his life since his youth. He's known he wants to go to China and take the gospel into the heart of China. As he goes, he passes, um, I think it would have been the Philippines. Like you, I don't know if you know Chris, but he, he passes these islands and he sees them, these inhabited islands, and he, and he weeps because he thinks, I've only got one life. I've only got one life and I'm going to the heart of China. These, these people need the gospel. It's that, and, he st- and so he prays this, this prayer he, as he's going. He's going to give his life to China. And he prays, Lord, send more to these islands as, that he passes. Our, our prayer as we come to North Hall, we're praying, Lord, I, I, Lord, I've only got one life. Lord, send out more. Plant more churches. Establish more kingdom communities. Bring more leaders. Raise more bodies, more, more believers to be faithful disciples and disciple makers. As part of his sending out, as I say, as part of his sending out, Jesus promises persecution and opposition. We're going to see all these things as we go through these, these next couple of chapters. He promises pers- persecution and opposition. Those powers and principalities that are harassing the sheep, will not willingly give them over to you. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face opposition, whatever it might look like. It might be a joke behind your back. It might be something more serious. But we're promised opposition. The enemy will not willingly give ground to you. And yet, as, even as he's saying that, Jesus says, Fear not, your Father in heaven knows you. He's with you. He cares and he points to the great authority that we have. The great authority of God over all things. You know, not one sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge. Without his say so. So even as you go and you find yourself in places of opposition and in pain, don't fear. Don't fear. The model, that model that Jesus gives to his disciples is one of fast-paced, quick-footed advance. Right? There's that, kind of that urgency that hurls, and then you see that kind of that hurling at work. In, as I say, we're going to spend a bit more time on this as we go through this series, but that hurling is at work in the kind of instructions that Jesus gives. Hey, pack light. Don't take a load with you. Just go. Just keep going. Just keep going. Sometimes we can have such a, a kind of a sluggish mentality as, in terms of regards to mission. 
And we think, and we can call it wisdom. You know, we can be slow and sluggish. And oh, we need to have this in place. We need to do this. We need to do this. And it's, and we call it wisdom. Jesus says, no, you just need to go. You just need to go. Hey, there's structures and things are, are great and they're helpful, but the harvest is white. The people are harassed and the gospel must go. Pack light, move quick. There is a warlike leanness to the whole thing, which we see taken up in the way that Paul works, right the way through Acts, right? He, he lives this, this same way. He lives that same kind of lean, kind of city to city. We've just got to, we've got to go. We've got to go to the next place. Constantly being propelled into the harvest and pushing back against opposition. Um, Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the whole armour of God, doesn't he? The whole armour of God. And he, and he uses this, it goes through all of it. And he says, you know, all Christians should be equipped with this, with faith, with righteousness, salvation, you know, truth. He talks about feet fittedness fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace there's this kind of like my feet are tired i'm ready to go and it's not just like kind of a jittery movement it's a sturdy readiness peaceful they're like rooted in peace we're to be quick-footed packing light Jesus says, shake off the dust. Don't even let, hey, right? That's an act of judgment. It's kind of Old Testament judgment. You know, like, the, if, the, if you're not received the word of God, they shake off the dust. You know, it's an act of judgment, but it's also like, hey, I'm not even going to allow the dust, to, your dust, to weigh me down. That's how urgently we need to move. That's how quickly we need to be moving. I'm not even going to allow myself to be weighed down by dust. It's a, and, you know, I think sometimes we can, we can hit something, we can feel like we hit the failure or the disappointment of, oh, I shared my faith with this person and they didn't really go anywhere or I invited them there. I invited them to the Christmas events and they didn't come. And we can feel all that disappointment. Jesus says, don't let that, dis- don't let that cling to you. Don't let that cling to you. What the world might call failure. That's not, that's not how we work. You know? Jesus is going to later say, you know, that actually the one of the fruits of the gospel is rejection. You know? Don't let it cling to you. Just be faithful and move in the same urgency that we've been sent, hurled. And just some quick practicals before we uh, finish. Um, I do think that uh, there is a bit of this that we need to do as Freedom Church. Maybe there's some dust that we need to shake off our our feet. Um, Maybe there are some things that we we feel we've tried and hasn't worked or or we feel like, like, oh, I would have hoped that the food bank would have been more fruitful, or, or this would have been more fruitful, or that, or, or whatever it might be. And I just feel that there's a kind of a communal shaking the dust off our feet that we need to do, of, of disappointment or weariness. Church planting, I tell you, church planting weariness, talk to a few church planters, is a real thing, right? And it's, and it's, it's can be a painful thing. You think, ah. Oh, We've, like if this is moving a little bit slower than I would have liked, or this isn't, we've got some dust to shake off, shake off our feet. I feel maybe the individuals. There are individuals who want to respond to that as well. Maybe it's it's not just freedom church. Maybe there's this just long list of things that you just think actually these things are, have kind of been weighing me down, kind of been not been releasing me to to do the things that God is calling me to now. Maybe there's a kind of a, a kind of a, a waking up to the urgency. 
that some of us need. And as I say, we're going to be looking at this more as we go and how these guys are sent out. And, and I want to leave Michael um, some great things to say next week. But maybe some of us just need to be woken up to that and woken up to the very practical nature of the go that we've been called into. Maybe some of us need to have our eyes opened to the opportunities that are around us. Maybe some of us need, need to be filled with that confidence that even though opposition is assured and promised, right? it's promised, don't, don't, let's not think, it's, it's unusual when you know, uh, Peter says, don't, don't think something strange is happening to you when you're coming against opposition. No, this, is, this is in fact promised by God. Some of us maybe need to hear that, but need to recognise in that that throughout it all, our Father is with us. And he's working in these things. In fact, he was working on it before you were. He's been working on North Hull before we were. And some of us maybe need to kind of step into that again. Recognise that, kind of step into that confidence. Step into working at the workbench with our Father. And enjoying that. Oh, such joy. Such joy in, in doing that, working with him, walking with him. When you stand with me, we're going to maybe just have another song or something and, um, but if, if, if you want to respond to any of that why don't you just, just raise a hand where you are um, and just, just or just quietly in your heart just say Lord I just need to shake some dust Lord Jesus I pray would you come right now on each one of us Holy Spirit I pray fill each one of us with that confidence and power that you promise Lord, I thank you that when we when we're sent out, we're told, fear not, for I will be with you to the very end of the age. When we're sent out, we we're equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sent out with authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and to cast out every uh, affliction and, and demon. Lord, as we kind of come into North Hull and we, we come into our different settings of of work and friendships and family, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to approach those things with an understanding of the urgency mm. of it all, yes, Lord. the desperate needs, yes. mm. and the wonderful power that comes with our commission. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray that you rest on individuals now. Mm. I pray that you bring many people to mind, settings yes, to mind as well. That we've been hurled into, maybe even now. Mm. Well, I pray that you would help us, equip us to, to be able to feel uncomfortable. Or well, forgive us when we're trying to make church just a comfortable thing. Mm. Or well, being thrown out might not feel very comfortable. Well, I pray that if here is beginning to feel that discomfort, that they would. Be comforted in the knowledge that this is for you. <laughs> yeah, I pray that you would use us to bring that, that wonderful gospel freedom, gospel peace to those who are harassed, harassed by their bank account, the letters that come through the door by their family, 
by their addictions, by their need for you. Lord, help us to lead, lead them to a good shepherd who has paid for it all once and for all.